Welcome to another episode of the Bandage Podcast, a weekly wrap-up of the most trending healthcare news. Each week, we'll discuss the latest in healthcare, health IT, and compliance. In this week's episode, I discuss a gene therapy collaboration, libraries hosting wellness events, and a rabid animal at the zoo. Let's wrap things up. This is episode 92 for the week of July 5th. I'm Matt Moneypenny. Before we get started, our diagnosis code of the week is T23.099, burn of unspecified degree of multiple sites of unspecified wrist and hand. Uh, very unspecific yet specific diagnosis code this week for you guys. Um, basically, you know, with July 4th on the time of recording being Monday, aka the time that this episode releases, hopefully. You know, no one has any fireworks incidents, but I imagine regardless of my warning of fireworks that I'm giving you right now, there will still be people who, you know, do something on accident or because they weren't thinking with fireworks that ends up uh, getting them in the hospital and having this particular medical code um, or diagnosis code. So, yeah. So make sure that you're careful this week. Um, You know, happy July 4th, everybody. But we don't want to see any T23. 0.099s at the hospital um and if you happen to get that it's very unfortunate but get well soon anyways let's get right into the news first up we have collaborating on gene and cell therapy boston children's hospital and elevate bio a cell and gene therapy technology company announced a five-year collaboration agreement in a, to advance cell and gene therapy programs the agreement provides boston children's researchers access to elevate bio's core enabling assets to advance their programs it will also guarantee Boston Children's researchers dedicated viral vector manufacturing space at Elevate Bio facilities. Under this agreement, Elevate Bio will commit to sponsored research agreements with Boston Children's investigators as part of the company formation process. Through the collaboration, Elevate Bio will work with Boston Children's to form new cell and gene therapy companies. The first will be announced later this year. Okay, so this is basically just a business partnership between two healthcare organizations. It's very uh, interesting, though, because it's related to cells and bio and all that jazz. So it's very complicated in nature from what it sounds like. Um, I think it's very interesting that they are going to sponsor research. This is kind of a new thing for me. I've never really read anything about these types of partnerships. So it's, it's interesting that they kind of sponsor research agreements with each other. And then they also share space and give some space at facilities. Um Dedicated to viral vector manufacturing, which is, I have no idea what that is. Let me look it up right now. To produce viral vectors, the appropriate cells must first be grown and then transfected, typically using a plasmid formulation. So this is very deep medical stuff right here, which is very cool. Um, Hopefully, you know, this partnership goes well. Hopefully something comes out of it that helps healthcare. Um, But as of now, it's just the beginnings of what seems like a very interesting partnership. Next up, Madison Libraries hosting health and wellness events this summer. Madison Public Library in Wisconsin recently hosted the first event in the series of health and wellness activities. These activities are scheduled to occur on the fourth Sunday of every month until September, with each event at a different library. The series is called Live Well at Your Library, allows attendees to engage in community conversations while learning about self-care practices. The library's marketing specialist said that the library is hoping these events will reach communities of color, which are often underrepresented. Sunday's event 
featured chair yoga, crafting, dance, and self-guided writing. Future events will focus on renewal, restoration, and celebration. So, libraries. <laughs> I feel like libraries, a lot of people kind of sleep on libraries, but they're very awesome. I, I have a feeling that, you know, parents of the world are very into libraries just because it's free entertainment for their kids. It provides their kids content to go through and to kind of like be more imaginative and creative. Um, but, you know, this is kind of a cool thing that a library is doing. I don't know what chair yoga is, but it sounds interesting. Maybe, you know, they should do chair yoga classes at office buildings. I've never heard of anything like that before, but it makes sense. You know, everyone in office buildings are just sitting in their chairs. Why not do some yoga while you're at it? Um, these are just, you know, wellness in terms of it's not necessarily anything specific to healthcare. It's just general wellness. Like this is good for you, you know, exercising your body, exercising your mind, whether it be through dance crafting yoga or writing um seems like a cool cool movement that this this public library is doing um hopefully you know if you live in madison wisconsin you should go check this out why not next up going batty for bats at safari park san diego health officials were looking last week for anyone who may have come in contact with a bat that tested positive for rabies in the san diego zoo safari park the bat was found alive in the Mombasa Island Pavilion and was collected by a park employee. The agency said that the bat was not one of the park's collection animals. One other rabid bat has been found in San Diego County so far this year. Human rabies is usually fatal without prompt exposure, vaccine, and treatment. Anyone who had contact with the bat is urged to contact the county health agency. So bats are like very dirty animals from what I've heard and usually they're, ba- they're big carriers of rabies. Um, just because, you know, I feel like any kind of nocturnal animal really is, whether it's like a raccoon or coyotes or bats, they all get rabies very easily. Um, so it's very scary because rabies is fatal if it gets to to humans and it's very like, if you've seen any kind of video, there's old videos of humans with rabies and it's, it's like very scary to see what happens to them. They start foaming at the mouth as, you know, the stereotype goes and, um, it's just very, very, it's a neural, it's a neurovirus, I believe. So, um, hopefully no one got rabies from this bat. It's interesting and kind of ironic that it was at a zoo. Um, I wonder if they have a bat exhibit there, probably unrelated, but you know, interesting nonetheless. And with that, let's go into our next segment. B-R-E-A-C-H, Breach Patrol. It's a breach! All of the latest cybersecurity breaches. Welcome to Breach Patrol. We talk about the latest breaches all across the world. First up, we have UF Health restores record systems a month after cybersecurity event. On June 25th, UF Health successfully restored their electronic medical record system. The system was offline for nearly a month. Workers at the hospital, outpatient facilities, and clinics detected unusual computer activity on May 31st, describing it as a, quote, cybersecurity event. UF Health's news release did not provide an update on whether any patient or personal records were compromised. The investigation into the cyber attack is still ongoing. So this is a follow-up from a previous breach of UF Health when their EHR was particularly down and they were taking patient notes by hand. Um, so that's good. It seems like they're, they're finally getting back on their feet. It's been some time since then. Um, you know, it's not that bad. 
overall. I mean, May 31st to June 25th, that's not even a full month. So congratulations to their cybersecurity team at UF Health for restoring their records relatively quickly for something like this. Um, you know, obviously it would be better if they could just not go down at all, but cybersecurity experts will tell you that that's just not something that's realistic to have as a goal, especially when it comes to cybersecurity and ransomware and things like that. Um, you know, the next step here after they figure out who was affected, if anything was affected and all that jazz is to upload all of the notes to, um, their EHR system, right? You got to keep track of everything that happened while the downtime happened and make sure that you add that to the system correctly. So I do not envy the person whose job is to do something like that because that is hard, especially considering you need to read and transfer and convert all the doctor's notes. And, you know, doctors famously have terrible handwriting. So good luck. <laughs> Next up, Mercedes-Benz U.S. asserts no files misused in data breach. Mercedes-Benz was recently notified of a breach that affected less than 1,000 customers and interested buyers. Although the leak occurred between 2014 and 2017, the leak was reported by a Mercedes-Benz vendor just this month. The company announced last week that it has not found evidence that the leaked information was misused. Mercedes-Benz USA has already begun notifying individuals who may have been affected in this incident. The company announced that any individual whose information was leaked in the breach will be offered a 24-month subscription to a credit monitoring service. We haven't had a, a, a breach response like this in a long time. And we always made jokes back in the day when we have seen these before where, you know, if a breach happens, the company offers credit monitoring service, but it's only like for a few months. But I mean, two years is pretty substantial, especially considering it's a car company, right? I mean, like, obviously there's some financial information that could get leaked out if you, if you purchase a car. Um, I don't know if it's on the dealership level, but I guess not. It seems like it could be on the dealership level and then go a step further and go into the manufacturer level as well. Um, this happened for a long time, you know, three years between 2014 and 2017, and it was a long time ago. I mean, looking at seven years ago when this first happened, so not a good look for Mercedes overall, but, you know, it seems like the information doesn't seem like it was that bad we don't know what type of information it was but i don't know if it's mercedes-benz just saving face here and saying that none of the leaked information was misused um, they also didn't say what type of information was leaked to begin with um so keep that in mind but you know take advantage of that 24-month subscription of credit monitoring service especially considering this happened so long ago but this could also be if i was going to take a pessimistic approach here this could also be like you know if my data was breached that long ago for that long period of a time. I've probably already been affected by the data that was stolen if it was misused. So interesting. And finally, round two for LinkedIn breaches this year. LinkedIn has had a massive data leak of over 700 million LinkedIn users or about 93% of its total user base. On June 22nd, a hacker advertised data from over 700 million LinkedIn users for sale on the dark web. The hacker showed samples of over 1 million records to prove that the data is authentic and up to date as of June 2021. The sample of the data included users' email addresses, personal details, phone numbers, full names, and home addresses. The breach does not involve any financial details, legal documents, or credit card details that can be used for fraudulent purposes. So another LinkedIn breach happened in April of 500 million users 
from data scraping, and the origin of the data is unclear on this new breach, but scraping is likely to source again like the April one. So it seems like LinkedIn needs to lock down its data scraping, and there's not really, I'm not really sure if there's a way to kind of lock down data scraping. Um, I mean, obviously, the hacker in this case is getting into a corporate database that's not shared with its users. Um, but, you know, LinkedIn does offer that paid option through Sales Navigator where you can kind of go through LinkedIn's database and comb through it and find contacts and things like that, make uh, business relationships and all that jazz. So this is getting a step further in not just looking for, you know, name, company, uh, title, industry. It's like name, company, title, industry, step further, um, email addresses, personal details, phone numbers, home addresses, um, which is, you know, scary, but it is basically just going to result in phishing attempts, um, which are, you know, they're significant and they happen a lot. But it's not as bad as, you know, it could go even a step further from that and get their credit card details because of all those LinkedIn sales navigator users. So, you know, it's not the worst breach. Obviously, 700 million is very substantial and very huge. And I imagine LinkedIn and Intuit is going to have to pay a massive fine for something like this um, because, you know, that can't be uh, forgotten. And there needs to be some sort of a line for you know breaches like this happening. Otherwise, companies aren't going to care as much about their clients' data. But the worst that could happen is a phishing attempt. Now, obviously, that could lead to worse things. But phishing attempts really are only as bad as the user makes them out to be in that if they respond the right way, nothing will happen. Okay, but if the user actually goes through and falls victim to the phishing attempt and then it becomes an attack and gets escalated, it could result in, you know, credit card details, social security numbers, all that kind of stuff being stolen. So, yeah, if you have a LinkedIn, which, you know, we know that 700 million people do be careful, <laughs> stay vigilant. And that's it for this week's wrap up of your weekly healthcare news. I'm Matt Moneypenny. I'll see you next week. Thank you for listening to the Bandage Podcast produced by eTactics.